0: Light, radio light, radio high energy, no filter Oh yeah
1: Okay folks back here very excited to be joined here uh, by Jody Taylor. How you doing?
0: I'm great, Jeff. Happy to be here today.
1: You've, you've been in the papers a lot lately, huh? <laughs> you're, you're famous and, and, that's right. And to be to be clear, we scheduled this podcast actually before all that because we I saw you at that Dennis Prager.
0: Events. Event, yep. and then
1: I did a podcast with uh, John Morris.
0: Uh huh. He told but, me about that. He said he had a great time coming and talking with you.
1: He brought me moonshine. Did you bring me any moon? Did, did, <laughs>
0: he doesn't bring me moonshine, Jeff. He knows I don't drink. Yeah, you're not a drinker. <laughs> That's right.
1: I, I am a. I am but a drinker. He is
0: a West Virginia uh, boy, so yeah, he's got his stash.
1: I, I told him I did a podcast uh, was a few months ago with Lisa Murkowski and Joe Manchin. Oh, when they were here for that uh, Arctic event, um, okay. Arctic Encounter. Uh huh. And he like mentioned. I mentioned moonshine and he said his buddy has a moonshine business and <laughs> he eventually like got legal because there were some laws and, and he tr- was trying to figure out a name for the business and, and he's like, what do you guys call it? Joe Manchin asked him and he's like, we call it farm fuel. Oh. And he's like, why? And he's like, because you, you can power farm equipment.
0: Oh, well, there you go. Hardcore. Okay, that is hardcore. So
1: I saw I saw John Morris at that event, and then I saw you at that. It was a really good event, actually.
0: Yeah, we didn't make it through the end. We had to leave early. Uh, we had a flight that got canceled, and so we had to leave on an earlier flight. But we were happy, happy to be there.
1: Well, I'm really excited to talk to you. Um, we'll talk about your your uh, new recent media fame here in a minute <laughs> sure. uh, about the, the school yeah. reimbursements. But um, first, I was reading up on you. So your your grandparents moved here, and this. The, Around the time of the earthquake or after the earthquake? They
0: moved here after the earthquake, yeah. My grandparents were from Silver City, New Mexico. We both share that heritage. Uh, and
1: I'm from New Mexico, too. That's right. central yeah. New Mexico.
0: Right. So my grandparents moved up for, um, for opportunity and brought my mother with them. My mother graduated from high school here, went to BYU, met my father, uh, and they decided the economy in the lower 48 wasn't very good when he graduated from college. So they moved back to Alaska where oil was doing well and he, they started businesses here, and, and that's like where An- I was An- born and raised. Anchorage, or Anchorage, yep, always Anchorage.
1: So, so you, and you're you're married to Craig Taylor, the Attorney General. Yes. He's not he's not from here, so how how'd you meet him?
0: Craig and I met at BYU.
1: So you grew up in Anchorage.
0: Hmm. Yep. Where
1: Where'd you go to high school? I went to Diamond. Oh wow. Yeah. the Lynx. I live pretty close to there. Oh, okay. So when you when you were growing up here, you were what, growing up in the eighties, eighties, or
0: no? I graduated from high school in ninety six.
1: You were born. You were born in.
0: 78.
1: Okay, so that, you were here kind of when things were really good, but then they got really bad yeah. with the recession. So Oh, do you, do they re- did,
0: yeah, yeah. My, well, my parents were contractors, so they saw things fall out. They saw people not pay bills. Um, they saw, yeah, our family went through all of that.
1: So when you went to college, were you kind of like, I'm getting out of here and never coming back, or did you want – We're going to come back.
0: I I guess I didn't have a lot of thought to it except when Treg was graduating from law school. I thought, oh, it'd be fun to try other places during law school. Usually try to do two internships in a summer. So we had he had done two internships every summer in law school. So we'd been to a lot of places, you know, had a lot of fun. Um, And then we had a surprising journey coming back to Alaska. And uh, we felt like we were led to come back here. Um, It was a matter of prayer for us. And and it it's just worked out. It's been great for our family, and we've really enjoyed being back up here.
1: So, when you moved, were you guys married yet, or were you... yeah?
0: No, Trey and I got married when we were in our undergraduate. Our our oldest daughter actually was with us when we graduated from college.
1: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how'd this? I mean, how'd this kind of go? You're like, hey, you want to move to Alaska? That's...
0: Well, he had done an internship up here, Jeff. One of his um, internships was in Anchorage, so he had already worked up here uh, when he was in law school, and we, my sister. Toward the last year of his uh, of his law school, Once she was a little bit. oh sorry, the last year of his law school. My sister was getting married in the spring. He came up to the uh, to her wedding reception, and uh, Rick Owen was there. Asked him if he had a job, and gave him a couple leads. And the lead was to um, uh, Delicio Moran, Garrity, and Zobel. And Trigg interviewed. You know, the next business day, they called him in, offered him a job an hour later, and
1: wow. here we came.
0: Yeah, it was great. It was really so, great.
1: So, did you guys meet in class, or were you having like a coffee? Uh,
0: no, we, <laughs> no, we did not have meet having coffee. <laughs> uh, we we met through mutual friends.
1: So, so now he's the attorney general. I mean, did you ever kind of see that? That's a no. That's a big one. I mean, no,
0: I did not see that. No, my family's private sector. I did not see involvement like this happening. But this has been Craig's favorite job. He loves um, that. He feels like he can help Alaskans, and uh, so. This has, you know, been a great fit for him.
1: And he he kind of came his name first. I heard first heard his name when he ran for the assembly back in, I guess, that was twenty sixteen, maybe. Yeah, I can't remember long, what year it was. It was but a long yeah. time ago. Mm-hmm, yep. So, so, and I also know you're on the you're the the board chair of the mm-hmm. policy forum. Yes. So, talk a little bit about that. I mean, they they come up quite a bit. And yeah. I know no, Bethany I'm happy Markham
0: Yeah, yeah. Bethany Markham approached me a couple years ago when she was um, coming on to uh, kind of reset the Alaska Policy Forum. And uh, so I came on to help, and, um, and so for those who may not know, the Alaska Policy Forum works to help provide freedom to all Alaskans in the public policy sphere. So, uh, and most of the effort is focused towards our, our, the people that write policy, so the executive the, and our legislative bodies. So that's the space that it's mostly been involved in so far. Um, and currently, we have an effort to help educate Alaskans, which is why I'm here uh, to talk about What Alaskan families can do for their students um, and their options that are available to them right now.
1: Um, Yeah, we'll talk about that in a a second. The one thing the Policy Forum has been doing for a long time, which I think is really good, and I have this political report. It's like a subscription business, and we do something similar for our subscribers. But they publish the salaries of all the uh, public employees.
0: Yes, a lot of government transparency. Sure, and
1: and, you know, people know, and people always hate that. And there's a few outliers, you know, that, that are really like super overtime or whatever. Yes. And, but sometimes when they come out, everybody has some, a lot of people don't like it, but I think it's great because I mean, this is public money and Mm -hmm. people deserve to know how much, how much folks are making. Mm -hmm. And some of them make, there's a couple outliers who are doing, (laughs) we're doing pretty, we're doing pretty good.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, so let let me, let's talk about this. um, And we scheduled this before this article came out, but um, it's, it's about some reimbursement of, of, of public, public dollars for, I guess, private, private school. Mm-hmm. And this first article came out in this new publication, and then the, I think the ADN did a follow up, and mm-hmm. it's kind of all over the place. So, talk about what this is about. And, sure. and, and I got to say, too, since this article came out, I've had a lot of people contact me friends of mine, some very, very conservative friends, and some very, very progressive friends. I mean, like very woke mm-hmm. who have done exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And they said, what, What's going on? And like, this is, I've been doing this for years, some of them yeah. told me. Yeah. So talk about what happened and what's you know what, sure. what this is.
0: I Thank you for saying that, because I think that's totally true. Um, and what I'd love to share with all of your listeners on the podcast is that Alaska has 127, almost 100, well, if you round up, 128,000 students. Um, and about 20% of those students are using what's called the correspondence program. And a lot of people colloquially call it the homeschool program. And what that means, I think most people in their mind envision homeschool as you know, mom and dad buy books, and they're teaching children out of a book, and they're grading it, you know, they're overseeing all of their education. What I think most people may not realize is that um, what that program can do and does do and has done for, you know, these 25,000 students that are currently using it is that you can use it to purchase a class that's all-inclusive. It's a teacher, it's a grade, it's all the curriculum, a child can sign on and do it. You can do that for, you know, high school students. Let's say your, your high school student was interested in being a plumber. Great, they can start that profession, start their learning and their trade while they were in high school, or if they wanted to be a private pilot, right? So they could become a commercial pilot, which we're seeing with Alaska Airlines, how much they were paid. That's a good career to get into. And also there's and, a
1: massive shortage right now. And there's the a shortage, there's right? A huge, so there's an opportunity shortage.
0: for kids that are interested in that to use the correspondence program um, monies to go uh, sign up for classes. And, then the, and, and the, the crux of this is that the parents access that money. They pay, for, they pay for the classes themselves, and then they get reimbursed. So it's not a direct benefit to the school uh, or the, the, the provider of whoever is providing the good or service um, that you're getting. The parent is paying for it, and then the parent is reimbursed through the correspondence school program.
1: So, so now you, wrote, you wrote an op-ed a few months back about this.
0: But In May. Mm-hmm. And
1: I never, oh, okay, so re- yeah. more recently. So I I never, really never, I don't have any kids. So you know, I have a lot of friends with kids, so I hear right. I hear about kid things. But yeah. um, this article comes out, and I mean, when you read it, it's like, oh, my God, there's this big corruption with the Attorney General. I mean, <laughs> the, the way it was kind of written, right? Right.
0: I and think it was made, definitely written to be clickbait.
1: And so he, he ha- he's recused himself, or he had recused he himself? He already
0: had. There wasn't an issue. As soon as I put my article out, Treg had recused himself. So did did,
1: did somebody, I mean, did somebody complain or no? No,
0: no, he had recused himself on his own. And then um, a couple weeks later, someone wrote an article. And again, I think it was just clickbait. They didn't um, check or ask if that had happened and just kind of wrote a headline out that he hadn't.
1: But was there, I mean, was there a more recent, like, investigation? Because some of the people have contacted me, so they've been doing this for years.
0: Oh, yeah. No, no, no. This like, program. Like so Montessori
1: this, schools? Yes. Uh, a, a sports thing? Yes, Is absolutely.
0: There, so let me just provide the, your listeners what people have done with it. Um, you're exactly right. You can use it at a private school to get classes, right? So let's, let, let's use your example of the Montessori school. If you have young children and you want to put them in a Montessori school and their tuition is, say, $5,000, you can get reimbursed. If you're in Anchorage, Anchorage has the highest portion uh, or the most generous portion of the base student allocation that's given to students uh, with family partnership. They're the highest in the state. And they provide $4,000 for elementary age, age students that parents can get reimbursed each school year. And so let's say the tuition's $5,000, then as a parent, you could get reimbursed. Or Four thousand of that tuition, and pay thousand dollars, you know, divided over the school year um, that you would pay for your child to go there, uh, or, or like we said, in the example of the high school students, they could sign up, and let's say they wanted to do math and science at their itself. Um, my, and my daughter's done this. She did uh, a couple classes at South. She did lunch there. She did sports, and then um, she also did some online college, college courses that were concurrent enrollment with high school, so it counted both for college and it counted for her high school. This course. is
1: like AP, or kind of different than. It's
0: different than AP. Concurrent enrollment for college is different than AP. AP, you have to take a test at the end. Colleges pick and choose if they want to take the course. As let's just say you took AP Chemistry. And the comparable course to that at your college was Chemistry 105. Mm-hmm. They would choose if they accepted that as Chemistry 105 or if they just accepted that as a science GE credit, and you still might have to take Chemistry 105 at their school. So concurrent enrollment allows you to go around all of that and and directly be taking classes. Yeah, because when I was
1: in high school, I remember there were some, some kids who did concurrent enrollment. Yeah. And, and, mm-hmm. some, some...
0: and there's a lot. I mean, it's just... Grown so much with um, with what is available on the internet and teaching tools that people can mm-hmm. use. Um, if if your children, if your child likes to learn, that it's way. funny you mentioned
1: AP Chemistry because I took AP Chemistry and I did. I, did, I got like a. I mean, I did horrible. I was not <laughs> not into math or science. I got like a one or two, whatever. But I yeah. took a, I took AP History, AP English, AP okay. U.S. History, AP European History, and I got like fours and fives. Okay. On all those. So when okay. I went to when I transferred here to UAA with a wooey. Uh huh. Um I had had all these AP classes that I took in high school and I got that like, counted. I think I got 12 or 15 credits or something. It was actually pretty good. Oh, that's good. Cuz you know you, you you know that's a semester basically.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and so my daughter doing it. I I wish we had known about it more. We found out during COVID. I think probably all parents found out a lot during COVID. Um so for us we were able to I was like it like a, it like <laughs> a saw?
1: It sounds like a saw. Your phone, <laughs> like, a, like a chainsaw. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's right. I have to hear above the kids, Jeff. We have six. I heard it. Yeah. Um. So oh, six kids. Yes. We what have are, six what kids. are the ages? So our oldest daughter's at BYU. She's twenty. Um. She turns twenty-one pretty soon. And our youngest is was our COVID surprise. She's two.
1: Oh, you do not look like you had a twenty. You have a twenty-year-old.
0: Yeah. Well, remember she was with me when I graduated from college. So. Okay,
1: so you had it pretty, pretty, yeah. pretty young. Yeah,
0: I was twenty-two when I had. So
1: wait, twenty to two.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have a, oh a daughter gosh. who's just gra- uh, who's graduating from high school. She's sixteen. Um, we have another daughter who's going into high school, and then two elementary age kids and our little baby.
1: So wait, you have more, more girls. It sounds like. Or? Oh
0: yeah, we have five girls and one boy.
1: Oh my gosh! So yes, Craig T- has yes. six women in the house. Yes, he does. And then the, so the boy, the boy's <laughs> the youngest?
0: You no, he's, well, he's second youngest.
1: I have, I have no kids. I can't even, I mean, I'm 30, I'll be 38 in December. Okay. I'd like to have a kid, you know, it's kind of on my, my list here. So
0: you
1: need, need to find like a, like a partner. Someone for that. interested in yes, doing that with you. Someone who you? wants okay. that. So, you know, this is like not what I was going to talk about, but I'll tell you right now, a lot of women I meet, nobody wants to have kids like in my, in my circle. I mean, mm-hmm. people just don't want to have kids, even yeah. even if, even if they're, you know, you know, successful and they have the time for, I mean, just people don't want to have kids anymore. It's actually a real problem in this country, the demographic time bomb where we don't have enough new, new we, the birth rates are very low. Or we're not bringing in you know, many immigrants Yeah. and, you know, it's really a problem, you know? For, well, for I
0: can say for myself, I would, I was surprised um, at how many, at, at my enjoyment of being a mother. I can, I can just say that I come from family of six. So I was very used to that. I thought it was really fun. When we had our oldest daughter, I thought, oh, this is probably good. You know, this was a lot more than I signed up for. But it is, hands down, Jeff, been the most enjoyable thing I've ever done. We've had, in addition to our six children, we've had my cousin's two babies live with us uh, for about two years. And Tregg's older nie- niece and nephews come live with us. And uh, It's
1: like a full house.
0: It, it has honestly been the most rewarding thing we've ever done. I mean, hands down, if you ask me what would have been the best thing I worked on, it would be helping kids develop and become who they're supposed to be.
1: Why do you think so many younger women just don't want to have kids anymore?
0: I don't know what they're, I mean, I'm probably they thought like I did when I initially had my first daughter on, Oh my gosh, it's hard. Much different than I thought. There's no downtime. Um, and you're trying to juggle so many things at one time. Um, but I would say looking uh, you know, on the backside, since we have a daughter in college, I couldn't be more, you know, excited about the things that she's doing, her successes, the wonderful things that are happening in her life. So I just have found it great. So, so
1: would you say, so some people have kids younger and then some people like my, da- my dad was- <laughs> have them
0: older like me well, and I'm on both sides. <laughs>
1: well, my, So yeah, my dad was 41 when I was born. Mom was 34 mm-hmm. and then I have a younger sister. Oh, okay. So so growing up, you know, a lot of my friends, their parents were a lot younger. Yeah. And you know, obviously you're younger, more energy. Yeah. But then when you're older, there's, there's also some benefits because you have more experience, you have maybe yeah. more wisdom. Well, you hope. You'd hope, well, yeah. unless you're not paying attention.
0: Yeah, you hope it's better.
1: But I mean, is it, what, 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 I mean, you've had kids kind of...
0: Yeah, I feel like our oldest daughter was definitely a learning experience, um, but it was great. I mean, our, our daughter ran around the law school carols and, you know, her friends were a bunch of law school students. Um, she went to every WYU football game as a kid, you know, and loved it growing up. So very different experience uh, than our other children growing up here, but... You know it worked.
1: So is she at, is she at BYU.
0: She's at BYU now. Yeah,
1: following the, the parents. That's right. Nice. Well, let's let's go back to this the school thing. Um, sure. Is, is this now is this fair to say? Is this like a is a school choice or is this different than a lot of people talk about school choices? I think that's where you actually use the money to go like attend private school. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and and this is different because the money goes directly to the parents, or, and well, the parents pay for the service, and then get reimbursed. Traditional school choice programs, um, parents get, you know, a voucher system where they pick mm-hmm. what school their child's going to, and their voucher walks directly to the school. So this is completely different in that a parent can pick anything they want um, and, and and make decisions that best best suit their child.
1: So, I mean, is there, is it, is it fair to say that there's now an attempt to stop, to stop this or by people, is that what's going on? Well,
0: I, I think it'll be, I I mean, I'm sure there are people that don't like this. I don't know what attempt, um, they would do to stop it, uh, because this has gone on, you know, for so long, the statute's been in place since 2014. Um, I, like I said, there's over 25,000 or almost 25,000 Alaskan students that are currently using it. They've been using it to, um, you know, some of them do the traditional homeschooling model. Most of them, what I would call spot hiring classes or like what you talked about, taking their child directly to a school and getting reimbursed for the, the classes they're taking their full time.
1: More broadly, I mean, recently the legislature passed the Alaska Reads Act. It passed the Senate unanimously. The by Nine, yeah. Yeah, passed the Senate unanimously. And this is not, I mean, this other states have done this. Yes. Uh, passed the House by just one vote.
0: Yeah, and no, they, this has been started back in Florida in the early 2000s. And what it did at the time, Jeff, like Florida was maybe lower middle of the pack in their, uh, in their reading scores. And as soon as they test that, I, and I wish I had the data in front of me, so I might be wrong a little bit here. But I want to say in three years, um, they propelled themselves to the number two spot. And then after that, they've gone between number one, two, or three um, in their reading scores. Uh, in, in the country. So that's that's stunning for something like that to happen. Mississippi recently did it just a few years ago as well. They followed the same Florida model. Um, and they they their scores were more similar to Alaska's scores where we are right now, which for those who may not know, Alaska's scores, while we spend on average, um, according to the NEA, we spend $20,553 per student in Alaska. That does not include... If you're in Anchorage, our local property tax, that would be above that. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we spend per student, we're, kind, we're, we're spending in the top of the country and we're getting the worst results. Our reading scores are the bottom in the, in the country. And so when Mississippi enacted this, they also moved themselves up. I think in six years, they've moved up to number three in the nation on their reading scores. So very quickly... You can pivot your reading scores, and I think that's exciting for Alaska students because for those who may not know, we're not talking A's in reading. We're talking about this metric is proficiency. This is are the children proficient readers. And in Anchorage, more than half of our students are not proficient readers by third grade. And I think that should be, you know, everyone in our community should be stunned about something like that because, of course, we know you learn to read, and then the rest of your life, you read to well, i mean learn.
1: there there's been there's been um i mean multiple studies yeah. on on you know by the time a kid's ten what their vocabulary is the the number of words they know mm-hmm. are is a huge predictor for how much money they'll make if they'll graduate high school college you know all like it's just and by by the time you're ten mm-hmm. it's just really hard if you don't have that vocabulary if you don't have 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 the ability to like read and, and understand words, you know, mm-hmm. it's just really hard to catch up.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I, you know, I had a really interesting experience with that. Um, my my oldest daughter that was at BYU, she missed a full-ride scholarship uh, at BYU by two ACT points. And um, oh, wow. we were, I know, we were going to put her in an ACT prep camp, but in Anchorage, the prep course is only on Saturday, Sunday. So for because of our religious background, we decided Sunday wasn't a day we were going to do something like that. So she didn't. Take that course, um, and and there was no other course available here. So we one uh, and generally speaking, when you take a prep course, you their average increases two points. So I thought, okay, our daughter missed a full ride scholarship by two points we're not going to let this happen to other st- children who because of their religious, you know, uh background can't go to this program or the other um, barrier was the cost. The cost was $2500. And I thought how many oh, wow. first yeah, how generation many college students are going to fork out $2500 well, to be very competitive. A lot of people can't afford
1: it. Yeah. And you know, the other thing that I that I find um and I I have a lot of friends who are teachers and this is just a really sad reality is a lot of parents just don't care about they they aren't really that interested in their kids' education. Well, but I, I think
0: that's around the country, Jeff. So I would oh, say yeah, that's yeah. No, everywhere. it's everywhere, not just here. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's
1: it's 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 um. And some some teachers have, have told me they have parents come in, and and this isn't you know I'd say it's not by far the majority, but a lot of times mm-hmm. parents will come in and they'll say like, you know, I didn't go to college, my kid. And I'm not saying everybody needs to go to college no. because that's got there's problems yeah. with that too. But they, there's almost like a contempt for I don't want my kid to 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 be smarter than me, or I don't want my kid to do you know learn all these things which I mean my parents always taught me my dad didn't go to college he was very smart yeah my, my mom they didn't go to college but they always said you got to do better than us you got to get educated yes. you got you have to learn you have to read you have to read you have to get knowledge that's the key to doing well in life
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I think that's awesome. And I think, you know, I I do think there are some families that are disenfranchised with our current high school model that most kids do. And that's why I think this correspondence program is so great, because it allows families to address if you don't want to go to college, it better fulfills a high school four years in getting you career ready so that when you're 18, you're ready to go out the door and and have a living wage certificate, trade, whatever. And there's ways to do it. There's totally ways to do it. So for example, um, one of our friends has been trying to hire for a dental hygienist. A dental hygienist is a two-year program. You can even do one of those years when you're in high school. They
1: make like 100 100 grand. Mm
0: -hmm. They make $65 an hour and they couldn't even get anybody. So the idea that children need a a four-year college degree in order to support themselves is not true.
1: Yeah, no, the trades, all kinds of um, trades people big big I have a friend oh, who has a 4-year degree mechanical engineering degree and he just didn't really like working in the office and he went mm-hmm. back and he became a journeyman plumber. Oh yeah. And you know, pipe fitter and he's making he's making a lot of money.
0: Yeah, oh, well, and plumbers are 2 to 3 weeks out right now. So <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. No, no, there's it's, there's it's, a long list to the nationally. There's a shortage today. of of, right. of the trade. So, mm-hmm. you
1: know, I don't think everybody needs to go to college, but I do think people need to be educated. Yes, you know, I totally agree with that. Between, and this, know, this allows and parents
0: to do that to say what what's the best fit for our child, what are they interested in? Because we have a high dropout rate, right? So let's get where what kids are interested in, and help them be ready um, for to support themselves. So we don't have some of the exasperated social problems. Um, that we normally see with high school dropouts and with people, you know, again, when they're not educated and they don't feel like there's a path in front of them, there's a host so, of so, social so this, issues this, to
1: go with it. So this Reeds thing, it, you know, passed, passed the Senate unanimously. Tom mm-hmm. Baggage kind of worked with the governor and there was Bill Wilkowski, all the Democrats in the Senate, everybody was for it. It goes mm-hmm. to the House. It was very controversial. It got min- minimum votes, 21. Why do you think some of the, de- there was mostly Democrats and Embrace Edgman, Independent, Tiffany Wilkowski, and then, Zach Field, I mean, they were adamantly, I mean, the the way they talked about it, you think it was, you think it was some kind of horrible, horrible thing. Why do you think so many, some of those people were so against it? Yeah. Because we're we're last, right? Alaska's last. Yeah,
0: we're last in the reading test scores. Um, So I I don't know what their, what their reasons are. I know that this does hold um, people accountable for what's happening in the school. So perhaps that made them nervous. I, I, I can't, I can't say what I mean, what it would have been for them but part of the the florida model was that there was accountability um on on the first three years of uh, of kids being at school and they had to learn to read by those and if they didn't learn to read then you know there was there was a consequence for that the kid had to get held back because they had to learn to read you couldn't keep advancing a kid that can't read right
1: what, what do you think is going on in, in this society where i mean now there, there are a lot of these colleges aren't doing tests anymore you know it's like we it's like we can't I, I just saw now the foreign service. You know, they 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 are the, the test is they're still having the the test isn't as as meaningful as it used to be. I mean, a lot of these colleges aren't taking ACTs or SATs anymore. You know, kids are you know they don't want to hold a kid back if if they can't. You know, we, we used to be a very merit based society where you have to do well to advance, and if you don't do well, then you know there has to be a consequence. But now it seems like, oh, everybody we you know everybody's good no matter what you do, you're fine. But that's not reality. You know, that's mm-hmm. not how the world works. But this seems to be a trend.
0: Yeah, I, I don't understand that either, Jeff. I feel like um, the one the one metric that Bob Griffin shared with me that you can tell on how success, how effective a teacher will be is what their ACT or SAT score was. It didn't matter when, when you compared um, if they had a PhD, it didn't matter if you compared um, some of their, uh, oh, I, I wish Bob was here to talk with us about it, but several other metrics didn't matter on on how a teacher was prepared but their ACT score SAT score was the one thing that predicted if you had a high score you would be an effective teacher
1: so so with this reads bill what what's you said florida mississippi it took Within a couple of years. Yeah, they, it's they'd... a
0: couple of years. So I would anticipate we'll see that in Alaska. Um, I hope that um, in conjunction with that, there's some great teacher training that can go with that on how to um, very effectively teach reading. Uh, there's been a lot of different education models. And what's different in education that people may not know versus, for example, medicine um, is in, in the education world, not everything is science-based, right? So in the medical world, you very clearly have a trial. You understand if something's effective or if it's not effective, and then people are going to do the thing that's the most effective, right? In the education world, that has not always been the case. And so, um, and, and for example, our UAA lost their teaching accreditation. So we have a lot of teachers who, oh. through no fault of their own, were taught and Put through a program to learn to teach in, in in a program that lost their accreditation, right? So we have, we have teachers that need more skills provided to them, um, so that they can understand how to effectively teach reading. And I would say that has to go with increasing um, our our student outcomes. These teachers have to have the tools on what's effective models. Let's put those in the classroom, and and help teachers. My, my, my neighbor was
1: teacher for thirteen years. He just I just saw me quit. Because he was just, he said he was so burned out with COVID and the online and then yes. back in class. And there was, there was, he had, I think, f- almost 40 kids. And, and
0: in an elementary a, class?
1: Uh, middle school. Oh, okay. And, you know, he, he had, he had kind of asked for some help and, some, and they just wouldn't, he just said, I, I can't do it anymore. And he quit. Hmm. And he's a really great guy. I mean, I'm yeah. sure he's a great teacher. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know the answer to some of these things, but the, but a lot of kids, younger people I talk to, I'm kind of like, oh man, this is. I feel like they don't know a lot of things they should, you know, just basic things uh-huh. about the government, about society, about uh, just about, you know, f- like history. Um,
0: well, I again, I think this is a great opportunity in the correspondence program for people who want to craft their child's education and maybe want a particular focus that isn't offered at a school, whatever that might be. Let's say you're a super tech family. Great. You know just oversee that and spot hire different courses that you want done for your child. And it doesn't mean, to me, the spot hire means it's, it's like hiring a team, right? If you put your kid on the soccer club team, you're not teaching your child how to play soccer. You're not doing skill clinics. You're not organizing the games. You're merely looking at the programs and saying, oh, you know, Cook Inlet Soccer, and I have no idea what the best team in Alaska is, but Cook Inlet Soccer is the best comp club in Alaska. I'm going to put my child in that club because I want them to be the most successful. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is the same thing for the correspondence program. You can pick where you think your child would flourish, where they would um, foster. And then you just sign them up for something that can be all inclusive educationally.
1: So I think what you're hitting on is something I've, I've really believe is, is the, the the best factor for a kid's success in life with education is the, is the parents, you know, if the yeah. parents like, my parents didn't go to college, but they, you know, they read to me they challenged me, you know, I took AP classes. They, I mean, they were very, they instilled in me, you have to get educated, you have to do well in school. You know, if you want to go to college, go to college. If you don't, don't, but, but you have to have a, a knowledge a of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be informed. And and I mean, I you have six kids, so I mean, you, I'm you know, much better than me, but aren't, aren't the parents the biggest factor in, in a kid's education?
0: Well, that's been my experience is that parents are, Um, I had a a friend of mine here in town tell me, Jody, if you're not going to advocate for your child, who is? Right. And and that's true. If you're not going to watch out for your child, who is going to do that? And so as the parent, this puts you in the driver's seat on on what your child, um, what their education can look like. And and in some cases, like, again, we have six kids. So one of my daughters went full time to middle school, um, went to Golden View full time. Uh, And like I said, another daughter, she did hybrid. She did South couple classes, the sports program, and then she also did her college classes online concurrently. And then our two little kids did private school um, full-time. So it's
1: it, so, a full gamut there.
0: Yeah. So for me, it was what what is best for the individual child and picking that up. Another friend of ours, um, they're very tech tech family. So I'm, you know, he... He's told me all the different tech options that they are. You can go get Microsoft or Google certificates for just a few hundred dollars. And at the end of those, it's uh, because of the need on, on the large tech companies to get employees right away that can code. They can't wait four years anymore to get a computer science degree. Um, uh, uh, they can't wait for that. So they've created their own certificates for coding certificates. And you can access those online. You can learn them. And on their website, they estimate those are fifty dollars to $80,000 a year jobs once you finish those certificates, which again, you could do in high school if you were interested in the correspondence program. But my friend that's here locally, he is just transitioned over to Facebook and working in their virtual reality, he used to work for Microsoft before that worked for a startup. He said in the Pacific Northwest, that's $100,000 a year job. So we can have children with no debt, which we all know about the student loan debt problem in America, and they can be... Exiting high school, you know, with a great opportunity to provide for themselves and, and a future family.
1: I mean, I've, I've talked about this before. My, my parents, you know, very, very involved in my education, but they didn't, I didn't really ever learn about finance. Oh. You know, so I moved to Alaska. I, I filled out the FAFSA. I, you know, I borrowed all this money because mm-hmm. I didn't really you never think about paying it back mm-hmm. or not,
0: or what the return on investment might mm-hmm. be for your degree versus the cost of the degree. And, sure. and,
1: and going back, you know, I, I borrowed a ton of money to move here. I mean, I got a history and economics degree. I mean, I'm glad I have it. I'm, you know, I met people. I, you know, I, I learned a lot of things. But r- really, the, the return on that. I, mean, I work. I used to work in IT. Yeah. Afterwards, you know, I I really never used those degrees. I could have stayed in New Mexico. Uh uh-huh. um, There's the, the lottery scholarship where if you graduate high school in New Mexico and you go to college in New Mexico, they pay your tuition. Oh, I didn't know that. Lottery. They started mm-hmm. that in the '90s, and I think you have to keep like a two point five. So it's not even that hard. <laughs> you know, it's pretty pretty low bar. Yeah. So I did a year at UNM, and then I moved here. Mm-hmm. But you know, we 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 encourage. We make it very easy for young people to borrow a lot of money mm-hmm. and you're talking i mean there's a i think there's more student loan debt than credit card debt it's like over a trillion dollars it's yeah, incredible and you know a lot of the, a lot of that debt is is owed by people who didn't even finish college exactly. they drop out after a year exactly. two or three and they still have 30 dollars. Yes. Right. you know and it's it's just i don't know i just I, I i've traveled all over the world i've been to some some countries that that you know are considered kind of poor and you know, a lot of those kids do really well because they—they the society's value education, mm-hmm. and and here it just seems like, like you said, we spend all this money, and and to get the worst results, and we're getting these yeah. bad results, yeah. and you know, I'm 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 not one to blame the teachers because I think the teachers have a whole bunch of other challenges they have to deal. with. I mean, COVID mm-hmm. even recently with. You know, oh, I think un- they
0: have a host of behavioral issues. They have a lot that they're dealing with. And one of the things that I hope in a long-term view is as I, I would say this is more a system problem, right? Um, that if if the system gets realigned. So, for example, the Anchorage School District added 23 buildings uh, since The for the same number of students they had back in, I think it was 1989 or 1990. I think we've even lost a little bit. Oh, no, we have. Absolutely. So we went up and we went down. So we've added 23 buildings since that time. And we're now back at our 1989 enrollment levels. And the school district's own projection is that that will continue to go down. But we've added 23 buildings. So we have a real estate portfolio that pulls resources from the classroom that we don't need, right? School operated in 1989 and 1990. It was good it can operate in the same number of buildings again, because we have the same mm. number of students and we just need to, I think be more wise stewards of getting those dollars into the classroom, which to me means, I mean, just doing the math on some of those um, we could give, we can go back and give like top of country teacher salaries, which attracts, you know, teachers that want to stay teachers, that are high quality, all of the good things that we want for our education oh, I mean, system I've, can I've, happen if we are very, You know, lasered focused on those education dollars going to the classroom, not a real estate portfolio.
1: Yeah, no, I've I've said for a long time this society needs to pay teachers more money. I mean, that's probably one of the biggest problems: is Mm -hmm. teachers starting salaries very low and
0: well, in Alaska used to be higher, right? Anchorage used to be Anchorage specifically used to be much higher and more competitive nationally, and we attracted people nationally. But right now we're not, and and I feel like if they'll if you know, Hopefully, they'll come, the new superintendent will come in and help fine-tune some of that and, um, and really drill down and make a difference because there is a, a big opportunity in Anchorage, uh, which is the district I'm most familiar with, that they can make it happen.
1: Now, I read that this new superintendent, there was some rule they had to teach for three years. Yeah, he hasn't this. met that. Yeah, so he doesn't
0: meet the minimum requirement. You know I think called, they have to petition it. I, I they think have to that, do a waiver, I think. Yeah, they have to, yeah. Yeah, have they done that? Well, I haven't really been following. I it haven't. Too. I don't. Haven't followed it after just seeing that he didn't meet the qualifications. Very young.
1: I think thirties. Very very young guy. Yeah, so. have to, I
0: mean, I'm sure he would get a waiver because they've already hired him, and Dina Bishop's already tendered her resignation. So <laughs> I think somebody might to check they that do, out. You know, but, in the, in the well, that's their own process. Yeah.
1: So so, so I want to talk a little bit about kind of a you know related but different topic: the school choice, and that's a very divided. You know, some people are very for it; some people are very against it. But but this is kind of the and I think Dunlavey, when he was senator he introduced a bill for that
0: yeah and, and, and well and like, like like this one is from 2014 and it was sponsored by then Senator Dunleavy
1: but there was another bill I think he tried to do the vote and people like lost it you know oh, they just um, lo- lost their minds over that but you know I've talked to people it's interesting um typ- I think typically generally Republicans you'd say conservatives are for it and Democrats or liberals are against it but I've also talked to some liberals or progressive friends of mine who are for it because because they think in some of these really challenged areas in the country the kids really don't have a shot and they want to be able to give the kids the ability to you know the parents the ability to there was a malcolm gladwell was that tipping what book was that there was this program they started in in um new york mm-hmm. knowledge i think it's called kip knowledge and, know but but th- they so this year-round schooling um versus the the summer break what they found was that the kids whose parents aren't really involved and and don't put them in summer camp and keep them educated and keep them reading when they're young. When those kids go back to school, they, they, they do, um, they're behind. Yeah. They have a learning loss. You know, and compared to the kids who's, you know, maybe they're doing summer camp and they're, they're staying kind of, you know, the reading and they're staying um, up on their education. And they started this program in New York and it was basically, they took these, these kind of kids in these really challenged areas, really the inner city. And they put them in this highly kind of, Ten hours a day, you know, six, five days a week, year round, and the mm-hmm. only requirement was the parents had to make sure the kids showed up. You know, okay. And and what what happened was what they found was these these kids just did amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were going to like Ivy League schools mm-hmm. because they had this opportunity to go to this. It was a private thing, and you know, all the requirement was it was the parents had to make sure they were they were showing up, and it was super intense. You know, like ten hours year round, and so you know, I've had some very Democratic progressive friends of mine who who would you think would be totally against this idea of the voucher, but they're actually for it because of this reason. So Mm -hmm. I guess I'd like to get your thoughts on the,
0: well, I, I can only share with you the polling, Jeff, the polling shows um, that minority families favor school choice, the highest, they want opportunities for their children. um, And they, they rank the highest in polling on families that vote for and care about education Mm -hmm. opportunities. Um, And, and since COVID, that's grown. That's grown substantially since COVID. People's care about education choice and opportunities for, their, um, for parents to more directly oversee their child's education. So certainly the data bears out on, on what you're saying.
1: I, mean, I also really value public education. I think it's important to have oh, a public... Oh, I, I
0: think it's the, the hallmark of, an, of America, right? That we provide education to anyone. I, th- I think the everyone.
1: I think what happens is some people think if you do if you do that private thing, the voucher, <laughs> then you you can you know they think they worry you're going to take away or hurt the public system. But
0: so I, in the case for Alaska, it actually saves um, saves resources. So for example, um, the correspondence program is solely funded by the base student allocation, which is five thousand nine hundred dollars, and it's some metric of that depending on the district. But again. The NEA's data is that twenty thousand five hundred fifty three dollars are stent, spent per student in Alaska, versus if you do a correspondence program, the most Alaska is going to spend is the five thousand nine hundred thirty dollars.
1: So, last thing I'll ask you is, uh, since these articles have come out, I mean, you've written before, you've you've written op eds. I you mean, know, people know you a little yeah. bit. I mean, obviously, your husband's very well known. Um, but now it's like you're like front and center the last about a week. <laughs> What's that been like? I mean, have you been getting a lot of texts and calls? and?
0: Well, I don't know about front and center, but I'm
1: um, I mean, you've been, you know, in but ADN I'm and happy.
0: Yeah, I'm, what, what really makes me happy, Jeff, is that this just provides more parents the information about the opportunity for their children. So I'm hopeful. And if anyone has questions about how a correspondence program works or where this would be in your area, if you go to the alaskapolicyforum.org. We have a sign-in there that you can sign up and get data, and we'll share, you know, by your area, what's the best program. Um, and by best, I mean most, most generous portion of the base student allocation that, uh, that schools provide. And you can also see the different metrics on um, which schools are set up directly with the district, if, if it's important to you to do a hybrid model where you're, you know, both at the public school and doing classes on your own. but. Um, so I would say that for me is the biggest uh, win is that it simply highlights again for families and and brings to front of mind the attention to the issue, which to me is families having choice for their children's education. And and I hope that um, this will keep moving forward. I think there's obviously a great appetite um, among families since COVID to really explore that. I would say also again we've talked you know at length about the high school model and the need for kids to be able to use that the way um, that makes the most sense for them. And then also when you're in elementary school, there's the saw. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, and then for those younger students, maybe you want to find a different program that really has drilled down on educa- on reading and, and they have excellent reading outcomes um, like we were looking for, for our children.
1: Well, like I said, since that article kind of came out, um, I've had many, many friends tell me they've done the exact same thing going back Several years, so yeah, um, I, I think the uh, hysteria around that is yes, a it's bit been misplaced. around,
0: and and what I just wanted to do was highlight that because I feel like it hasn't been known. Most families didn't know about it, um, and and they should they should know about this excellent option uh, here in Alaska. So I think it'll be good options for families, and um, you know. Come with the hysteria, what may, but let's hope that that water gets down to the end of the row. So parents who want to participate can.
1: Well, thanks again for coming in, Jordan I really I enjoyed it. the thanks discussion. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Uh, again, if people, want, if people want to find out more information about this, where can they go? You said The
0: alaskapolicyforum.org has a sign up that you can click in to get information about the correspondence programs around the state.
1: Okay, well, Jordan I really appreciate it. It's Thank been you great so talk. Much. You're kind of famous these days, so thanks for coming in and doing the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff. Okay, folks, if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, get a hold of me. And if you're listening, make sure to give us a like or a review on, on, on Apple, iTunes, or any of the podcast platforms. We really appreciate that. Um, stay tuned for the next one. Landline.